0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, howdy, howdy, howdy,
2: howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Left and Straight Show, guys. It is Monday, April 20th, 2020. Uh, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. If there was sunshine out where you were, you got outside a little bit in your quarantine and soaked up a little bit of sun, did some social distancing walk or maybe a little exercise. Today is 2420 of 2020. So I heard a great joke today. I think it was Adam Sank. I saw it on social media. Does that mean today is Barbara Walters' day to get high? RRR. April 20th, 2020. Very funny, Adam. Thanks for that. Guys, I hope you're having fun. Like you said, um, quarantine is going on now. I had a very busy weekend, but I kind of took Saturday off. Didn't do much of anything because I had a real busy week last week. Put a lot of interviews together because we're going five days a week starting today. I'll talk about that in just a second. But it seems as though things are going to start to open up again. Uh, The governor of Georgia today said this Friday they're going to open, I believe it's like hair salons and bowling alleys and gyms. And then on Monday, start doing theaters and restaurants, which makes sense because no one's gonna go out in public until they get to the hairstylist to go to the gym at least once or twice to get a pump on. So I understand the order of things. I just don't know if it's the right time to be doing this, but hey, I understand people need to get back to work. They need to make money. So we'll see what happens. And uh, hopefully we're not gonna see a spike in cases. I, I know that uh, Florida, A lot of counties let people back on the beach this weekend, and it was fairly crowded. Um, People keeping a decent distance, but still you can't help getting closer to people. So we're going to see what happens there. Um, I've been very proud of our governor, Mike DeWine, here the entire time. And, you know, it's not easy for me to say as a true blue Democrat here to have a Republican governor doing so great during this corona thing during your state. But uh, Governor DeWine has done very, very well. Uh, he was early on the lockdown, closing things down. He's done great daily press briefings for the state. Uh, the director of health for Ohio is from my area here in the Youngstown area. And I think they've been doing a phenomenal job. He wants to start getting things open. We'll see how that works and what his ideas are. They haven't been fully brought out. But uh, it's going to be interesting as we start to go back into the thick of things here, so that's going on. What else do we have going on here? Oh, yesterday, uh, you saw Probably saw my social media. If you're not following me on social media, why aren't you? On uh, Twitter and Instagram, it's at Left of Straight. And Left of Straight is always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. And my Facebook is the Left of Straight Show, and my personal public page is Scott Fullerton. You can always send a friend request there. But anyway, I've been posting about it all last week and this weekend. Yesterday, I was part of a group that put together a fundraiser to help all the service workers in West Hollywood, who I used to hang out a lot. You all know I used to live, born and raised in Southern California, used to go to West Hollywood quite a bit. I still bring the show there every year. But, uh, yeah, everyone's out of work, obviously, as everyone in the bar and restaurant industry has been in most states. So they've been putting together my buddy, uh, Kevin Grant Spencer, has worked with one of his friends, um, Garcia. uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, Why am I blanking on the name? Oh, my goodness. Travis. Travis Garcia and Kevin Grant Spencer have put together this um, HelpWeHo.com fundraiser, and they're using it to – just a little help, $50 e-gift cards for anything they need to any of the servers, bartenders, entertainers, service workers in the West Hollywood area that are having a tough time. They've been out of work since mid-March, so for over a month, these guys have been out of work. So in two weeks' time, they had raised $15,000, and then yesterday, we did a two-hour live streaming telephone on our Facebook pages and raised $7,000 in two hours yesterday, guys. It was amazing. We had all sorts of great people come on. Like I said, Kevin Grant Spencer and Travis Garcia helped arrange all this. Uh, DJ Ryan Kenny, who's a very well-known DJ, was spinning tracks for us and playing the music yesterday. Drag artist from LA, Butter and Socialite and host Kyle Langan did uh, the MC duties and introduced all the guests with some very special guests. Come on. Uh, Lance Bass from NSYNC was on, donated a thousand dollars to the cause. Kelly Dodd from the Real Housewives of Orange County sent a nice message for it. I had a couple of my friends, of course, David Hernandez, amazing singer songwriter from American Idol and Brian Jordan Alvarez who plays Jack's husband on Will and Grace is a friend of mine, and he uh, did a little recording. They both did recordings for it, so we made $7,000 yesterday, so I was very, very excited about that $22,000 in two weeks to help all of the service workers, and if you think think that sounds like a lot, it's really not when you think about it, because we're only doing $50 gift cards for everyone. They're e-gift cards. They can use them for anything they need, but... $50 $50 gift cards for 22000 is only 440 people. And there's lots of gay bars in West Hollywood, lots of bartenders, lots of servers, lots of entertainers. So uh, today, if you go to the helpweho.com, that's H-E-L-W-W dot H-E-L-P-W-E-H-O dot com, helpweho.com you can go to the about page and you can get an application to apply for one of the $50 gift cards. Um, so they're going to start giving this money out right away. We raised over the last two weeks. So very much excited and good on you, Travis and Kevin for putting this fundraiser together. It's not the end of it. We're going to be a lot more events. I'll be helping them out as we go along uh, for my home away from home there. So you can always keep checking that website for more things going on. And I'm going to try, I'm having a, a conference call here tomorrow in Ohio to try to duplicate it for Columbus, Ohio for all the bars, just quite a few bars out there that have been out of work for a while as well. So I'm talking with my friends at True FM Online um, and we're gonna look at putting something like that together tomorrow as well. So that's been going on. Um, Things that aren't going on uh, announced today, they have officially canceled New York pride parade and festivities, in-person festivities. I think it's the first time in 26 years, 46 years, that they've had to cancel the parade. So, yeah, um, 40, man, canceling everyone. It's not the first one. I mean, San Francisco canceled theirs. San Diego canceled theirs. I know here in Columbus, Columbus is one of, is the second largest in the entire Midwest and one of the fifth or seventh largest in the world, or the country, for uh, Pride festivals. It's huge here. And I think we're just moving ours back to August. I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to check on that in the call tomorrow. But yeah, so uh, now New York, San Francisco, and um, San Diego is definitely canceled. So that's happening. So weird stuff happening with all this, that's for sure. But Let's get it ready and get to it again. I'm very excited this week. is starting our very first week of going five days a week. As you know, we've always gone just on Mondays and Tuesdays. But because so many people are out of work and some people are doing some great content, I've literally done 12 interviews last week. I have another 10 scheduled for this week, pre-tape interviews. So I'm going to extend the show to five days a week through Corona 2020 quarantine here until we get all these interviews played and let you know about all these great artists that are out there, uh, raring to get back to work. So please listen to us every day here on Left and Straight Radio from 6 to 8 Pacific time, 9 to 11 Eastern time for five days of Left and Straight show. So looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and get to it. Today is a musical Monday. I have three great musical singers and songwriters for you today. Coming up in just a couple minutes here is Kim Cameron a multi-hyphenate whose EDM sounds have hit the charts and won awards around the world. After her, we're going to do a pre-tape interview with a former LGBT boy bander out on his own. We have a great chat about all that. That's Mr. J. Mack that will be on. And we're going to finish out the show on another live interview with an amazing trans singer and rapper who is president of the Transgender Entertainment Company as well, Ms. Crystal Beverly. So we're going to get started here in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's listen to our very first artist. This is Kim Cameron's single, Tiptoe. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. I'll be back with Kim on the other side. I got to see if I can remember how to do this whole live thing. I've been doing so many pre tape interviews this season. But I am so excited to bring you our first guest. Uh, She has toured not just this country, but around the world. Her two time top 20 Billboard charting Deep House Sound. She's performed in stadiums in front of major NFL and baseball teams, toured the Caribbean, Europe, and even China. And not content with just being a great singer songwriter. She's a filmmaker whose screenplay for musicals received many accolades, and she's written, directed, and produced a feature length animated movie. So much to talk about. Please welcome to the Leftist Straight Show for the very first time, Miss Kim Cameron. Kim, how are you doing? It's so great to be here, and uh, I'm so happy to be on your show. I'm excited to have you. Um, it's just, it's tough to see people. I'm so happy to have this show and be able to talk to people remotely. It seems to be the only thing going on these days. How are you holding up in Corona 2020? <laughs> Corona 2020. Well,
3: I'm, I've now reached the point of stir crazy. I knew it happened, but I, I've I've reached it. So it's on there.
2: <laughs> You've only watched so many cat videos, right? I mean, what, what, do, what are you well, going to do?
3: I, you know what? I I have a cat and I am a cat lover, so I I haven't I haven't exceeded my cat video quota, so that I'm okay on that side. But uh, but everything else, I'm going stir crazy on.
2: It's a little wild. I mean, you never know. I've I've talked to a lot of my friends daily, and. I'm unfortunately single, but most of my friends can't decide whether to throw out the cat or the husband first. So it's, it's getting to be a little late in the game here. We need to find some stuff to do. That is for sure.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But we've been, um, I've been trying to keep busy. I've been working with my TJ, who's actually in New York City. So I'm in Miami Beach. She's in New York City. Uh, we were supposed to be on tour this summer, we were, um, had a full You know, uh, France tour and Spain, and then we were going to go to China. All of that, of course, was canceled because of Corona. Uh, But uh, so we don't know when that's all going to formulate. Maybe just have to be another year from now. So in the meantime, we've been putting together a virtually live series, and so we've done quite a few of them at this point. I think the fourth one we're going to do this Thursday, but we'll just put it on both YouTube and Facebook Live, and we do a song or two, and, uh, you know, it it took us a while to get into the right groove. We started it with uh, actually creating a live um, original song uh, with uh, oh, wow. my keyboardist, and that was really fun. I mean, it's it, uh, we just took a concept, and and the three of us, you know, would t- would throw the the concepts to back and forth to each other live, and then at the end, people got to hear what we created. So that was that was like our first step into it, and then we thought we'd do some songs. So it's it's been a lot of fun. So that's been a nice distraction to do those about once a week. Um, and, uh, at the same time, I'm still finishing up my, my animated feature film, which is based on my, uh, children's book series. The series is called Powers, So not superpowers, but like, uh, powers that are in the sea. And so the first book, um, is called in search of blue jays treasure, which is what the, the movie is based off of. So we are, um, we're still in production, but we're almost, we're almost in post-production. We uh, finished the soundtrack, and I released that early, um, and we're, we're about, oh, I'd say three-fourths of the way done. The good, great thing about animation film is uh, it's, it's all computerized now, so you can toss files back and forth to each other regardless of where you are but
2: um, between right, those right.
3: projects that's kept me uh, fairly busy.
2: I bet well I definitely want to go into the movie a little bit more later because animated features take forever to make so I'm excited to see how that process came about for you but let's start from the beginning since it's your first time on the show give my listeners a little bit of background where did you grow up what kind of a kid were you and what did you first want to be when you grew up.
3: Uh, I grew up in Southern California, so I am definitely a beach girl. Um, my love of music started at the very beginning. So I was a clarinet player when I was started in second grade. Um, gradually, nice. after doing marching band and all those things and and um, orchestra, I really gravitated towards musical theater, theater. and then graduated into like a really bad cover band when i was in college and <laughs> out of college um and then just um got an itch for songwriting and uh then you know really transform myself uh, into an original project and that um, kicked off in 2008. So really, I've been in music all my life, but really, this original project
2: uh, didn't start t- until the 2008. Gotcha. And where do you think your sound came from? You're doing a lot of electronic now, but you've uh, you have some great beats and different melodies. Where do you hone your music from? Where do you think that part comes from? You?
3: Well, I mean, it's I've morphed myself, not because I. I necessarily um, started out one place where I wanted to be. I've always been a dance music lover, even, you know, like traditional dance music. I mean, I grew up with, you know, Madonna and the early Madonna, I should say, because it's right. going on and on. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I've always been into the the dance scene. I think the, where you get influence is who you start off with as a producer. And the producer I started off with was really a rock guy and he was an award winning rock guy, but he kept pushing Mm. me towards, you know, rock, um, which was fine. And, and I, and I wrote some songs in, in the rock genre. Um, I would say more on the soft rock, some rock. Um, but it wasn't really my, my passion. And it it took me a couple albums and a couple of different producers to be able to get to where I really wanted to be, which was really in the dance world. And so Uh um, it wasn't until I hit album number um, four where I really started getting into dance, although I would really – today I would classify it as pop music because dance has morphed into something totally different since then – but that that was the direction I I always wanted to go. It's just, if you don't have, if you don't find a producer that has the same mindset, it's really tough to get the right sound.
2: I bet, sure. No, I understand that completely. And you've been working with your band Side Effects, Side FX. How did you guys meet, and how long have you guys been together? Well, I like to say I have
3: this, this ginormous band because it's a collection of musicians that are all literally all around the world. And so I have a group of guys when I go to Europe that I perform with on a regular basis. I have um, some folks on the California side, the LA side that I work with every time I go out there um, folks that I have up in the Washington, D.C. and the New York areas, and obviously folks that I have down here in Miami. So it's um, it's quite a large band. <laughs> I wish I um, could take them, you know, one set everywhere. They would love that too. But uh, touring is, you know, it doesn't always lend its, its magic to, you know, overseas tickets to everybody. So you right, end right. up developing relationships on a local level, which actually I've end up really loving because you you really get a different sense of music when you're using some local talent anyway. You get a bet, different yeah. feel. Um so I typically have uh you know, DJ Halo and I typically travel together all around the globe but then we'll hand you know, we'll we'll end up using some of the other musicians I've met along the way. But at this point, um, I probably work with 20 or 25 musicians
2: all around the globe. And it's been fantastic. That sounds amazing. I love that. I love that you actually are supporting those localities too, for them to get their work in their place so they don't have to travel a lot. And I think it would help everybody. That sounds amazing. I like that.
3: It it has been great. It has been great. And uh, the pleasure has been all mine, I have to say.
2: And talk about all the touring you've done. Like you said, you're, you've are you been going, it seems, yearly out to all these places. Just have to be the ones getting hit the hardest right now. But you were like the first woman to perform at some festival in China, from what I read. Talk about that. Yeah, it was it was a real
3: honor. Um, this was last August, actually. They made a movie out of it. Um, it's a, it. It's a kind of an island. It's where they make the... It's Shaman. Shaman is, if you... Um, look at a lot of the um, pianos, and you see, you'll see you see Shaman, it's where they make most of the famous pianos, is in this island in China. It's on the southern part, it's directly looking across at Taiwan, all places. And they put on this huge festival. Um, it lasts over about a month and a half, and they get something like you know, half a million people then end up seeing all the artists that come in, um, at, you know, various times and weekends and things like that. And I was the, they had international um, artists, but I was the only artist asked from the United States. And I was the only female artist asked to perform at the Shaman Festival. So um, it was quite an mm-hmm. honor um, they, uh, they gave me an award and it was, they treated me and my band, which they flew, um, all of us over from Miami. And it was, it was an amazing experience. I, I it was, um, it was nothing that I had experienced before in all my other travels that they, they, they very much treat you like, um, it, it, I'm Trying to figure out the right words, but you, you, it's—they're it, it, so honored that you took the time to come over there. I guess, you know, that's how you get treated with with a lot of respect. And you know, and it, when you compare that to sometimes you're doing these small gigs in these small bars and people aren't really paying attention. They're, you know, drinking their beer and they're right, laughing the and like, they room and yeah, it, <laughs> exactly. It was it, 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 the contrast is is amazing when you're in you know a um that's the other thing their concert hall is is just mind boggling it 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 seats just goes on forever but it's at least 5000 seats it's just huge for a concert hall I, I can't even begin to compare it to anything
2: i've seen in the states that is amazing i've heard that from a lot of my musical guys that- had hundreds of musical guests on over the episodes here and they say that traveling, it's just a whole different, um, whole different audience as well. I mean, they just see you're surprised as much as they're into their music, how much they know your music you might not expect or how quickly they latch on to it and that they are treated very well. So that's great to hear. I love that. Very, very nice. It
3: it is really nice. Um, Yeah. And, and for, China they're just now getting into dance music I mean for um, uh, years it was banned so they have kind of started off where you know America when we were younger started off so they're really into jazz they're starting to get into rock and now dance music I would say only in the last four years has really been introduced there so that's that's a kind of a wow. new experience
2: nice very interesting well, let's transition into some other things here. I want to talk about your musical, uh, got great reviews and everything, called Her Story. Um, talk about how that came about, writing that and that project. So I got inspired. I, I can't tell you
3: um, how I got inspired because I, I don't think I can remember, but I ended up, it took um, <laughs> several months, uh, but I ended up. Wanting to take um, a story that I had in my head and turn it and and leverage um, some songs I had written to making that uh, a reality. And I finished it and I was like, oh, okay, I feel really good. I, I wrote a musical, not really knowing what I would do with it. And then my manager one day, I went I guess it was about three years ago, we were talking, and I I happened to mention it over, like, I don't know, we were having a sandwich over in Europe or something like that. And he said, you're in a musical. What are you talking about? So I said, yeah, I'll send you a copy. I sent him a copy. He said, oh, my gosh, this is this is fabulous, brilliant, blah, blah, blah. We have to do something <laughs> with it. And he I said, I, I don't know what to do with this. Anyway, he actually took it to um, the the London theater district, found um, some folks, and they said, "No, we're really interested in it. We'd like to workshop it. If you know, if you wouldn't mind coming to London, it's, if you fly to L- London, we'll take care of the workshopping it." And oh, wow. uh, I was like, "Well, yeah, for sure." So here I'm in <laughs> the heart of the you know theater district and working with all these amazing actors and this um, director who was she was amazing as well and workshopped it for a week. And then we put it on it um, after we'd made, you know, some really great changes based on what they did. we um, put on a, a shorter version of it as a preview to the London Theater District, you know, um, a host of writers and producers and things like that. And it had um, not only did I end up, winning a couple of awards at film festivals for it, but we made the short list on a handful of theaters in London and outside of London. Um, so the way it works is, you know, they only pick five a year. So I had made, and so they'll down select to the top 12 uh, for the, you know, the next season. And uh, mm-hmm. mine was actually, um, shortlisted with uh, three, I think three of the theaters, which I was just blown away. I, I, you know, never would I have thought that. So it's still alive, and I'm sure someday we'll get it out there. Um, I've been a little distracted with my film, but that's that. That's the story on her story.
2: That is amazing. Congratulations on it. I can't wait to see where it goes. I am a huge theater fan, musical especially. Uh, and let's circle back to that feature. You, you said it's called uh, Seaper Powers, S-E-A-P-E-R Powers. Um, it stars a starfish. <laughs> uh, talk about it based on children's books. Talk about what brought you to write the children books first. Well, the
3: children's book series started out when I was on tour in the Caribbean. I actually had um, this horrible tour of being on the island of St. Bart's for a month, performing music every night with my band. How awful is that, right? So one night, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I know it's so one night um, there was a family who was watching me perform. And during the break, there was a little girl who came up to me. We started chit chatting and she had made this comment, how she loved, you know, her favorite sea creature was an octopus. And it struck me as a really strange thing for a little girl to like an octopus because when you think about sea creatures and little girls, you think of dolphins, maybe a starfish or a whale. Never would you think of a, you know, scraggly octopus. So the (laughs) next day, um, my guitar player and I run a beach, of course, is what you do when you're on tour. And, you know, tongue in cheek, we wrote this song called Mr. Octopus. And we ended up playing it the next night, and the little girl showed up again with her family and she just giggled and and we we all had a, a ball of over this song and my guitar player said to me a couple of days later, he says, "You know you really ought to write a story around that song, and we you know we'll make an audiobook out of it and that's what happened. It started out as an audiobook series and then You know, we converted it after so many parents asked for hard copies. Um, So it's really just this project has evolved until um, about it's been almost two years ago I had this vision that I wanted to take the first story and convert it into an animated feature film. So after I put together the script and then the storyboards, um, then I – you know began hunting for the right animators, and I already knew I had my sound team because that was my band who's done all the sounds um right and helped me with the the songwriting and and uh so i that that part was the easy part it was it was the visual part I had to figure out but um yeah, that's you know it's we'll crap you know knock on wood um we should be done by June, so then we decide where we're going to distribute
2: it congratulations that is great now you said you wrote the storyboards out do you do any of the drawing as well are These based on your drawings or did you have an uh, artist help you with that well
3: <laughs> my drawings are stick figures
2: uh, but I had <laughs>
3: drawings um, that were that I had done for the books so they had an idea of you know what what I wanted it to look like so I used the ones out of the books to give them you know a better sense but actually the storyboards you know show all the actions and and you know if it's an you can tell if it's an octopus or a little girl or a starfish or you know a barracuda um believe <laughs> it or not even though my drawings are terrible but uh, yeah it's it, it's um and and they'll you know the great thing with working with a professional team of, of animators that I'm working with is, you know, before the characters are finalized, they always, you know, is this what the, the look you're looking for? I'm like, yeah, that's that's it, or that's not it, or you know, it needs to be older or younger, or whatever. So, you kind of that was it's all part of the process.
2: Nice. And like I said, most animation um, that I've talked to my friends that do it, I've talked a couple of from Disney and stuff, they take years to get all this stuff done. I mean, computers have sped it up a lot, but uh, have, what have you learned in the process? Do you, do you like the process? Is it too long for you, or how's it been? Um,
3: you know, it's, it's a very different process than normal film, and it's because in film you're thinking about things to the minute level. Um, in animation, you have to think of things at the second level. So it's a much more detailed type of experience because the animators are only going to do what the storyteller is telling them. So if I want, you know, um, my main character to lift her arm, I have to say, yeah, she's going to lift her arm. Well, how how long does it take her to lift her arm? I mean, those are the kind of details Uh, that you have to give. And that's why it takes a long time because if you don't think those out – Um, then you will under-animate things, and then then the animation feels really slow. So you end up cutting things, which is then going to mess up, you know, all of your soundtracking and voiceover and, and, you know, potentially your story. So it's it's one of those things that you really – you have to think about things at a very granular level, and you really have to think, okay, is this moving along too fast or too slow – if it goes too fast then it looks jumpy and people won't understand the point. If it goes too slow, I mean kids are, you know, they they're not gonna pay attention because, you know, things are moving too fast. You know, you've got things Instagram, whatever, they're they're looking for that instant gratification. So you really have to keep things
2: moving in a story. Right. Very interesting. I didn't know all the backstory. That's very cool. Now you're working in all these different mediums. Are you able to kind of go between them pretty freely or does, are you, I mean, you go from songwriting to musical writing to children's books to animation and everything. Um, It sounds like there's definitely some skill sets that mesh and some that are entirely different. Do you have a preference or how are you able to balance all these?
3: Um, You know, I don't think I have a preference. Um, I definitely switch different brain you know, uh, cells when I'm doing animation versus writing songs. Those are two different right. sorts of creative, um, sides, but I, they're not a, a giant leap away. Um, when you're dealing with storytelling, especially when it comes to movies or writing books, uh, you really, you know, my instead of thinking about phrases and melodies like you do in songwriting, you're really thinking about how do I best tell that story? And, you know, if it's a movie, it's how do I best, you know, tell that story visually because there are no words um, or there shouldn't be words that, that I need to use. I should be able to tell that story just visually. And if I need right. words, then there, I only need a few words. Otherwise, why bother to show anything? And in a book, you have to over-explain to be able to paint that picture. So it's it's a different mindset of how you are trying to tell that story. But once you figure out the medium that you're really trying to leverage, um, your brain can adjust to that. It just doesn't. You can't. I can't go from writing a book one hour and then switch it over to to doing a film. It's I, I have a you know I'll have days where I focus on the film or I'll focus on other days on, on writing songs or, you know, it's,
2: it's definitely got to be one mindset or the other. Yeah. Definitely. I understand that. Very, very cool. Well, I can't wait to see all these things come to fruition. We got to start wrapping things up here. We've been doing a fun little segment this season called five questions. So we're trying to find different things to let listeners know about all of our categories here on the show, uh, entertainment, foodies, books, pop culture, and the like. Uh, do you have a favorite food or restaurant you recommend out in Miami way? Oh,
3: Pub Belly Sushi in Miami. Oh, fabulous.
2: Nice. And is Sushi favorite food, or what's your favorite go-to food?
3: Sushi is definitely my favorite food. Uh, I miss it because it, like, delivery of sushi is not necessarily the same experience.
2: Nice. And obviously you're a prolific writer in all these different genres. Most writers I know are pretty much voracious readers. Do you have time to read? And if you do, do you have a favorite book author or genre you prefer?
3: Well, it depends on my mood. Um, I have been, you know, I switch. Sometimes I'll go into like a lot of historical kinds of books just because I'll have a particular interest I was for many years I was really into all of the you know in search of Atlantis and read a ton of different um archaeologists who thought they had found the secret behind that so I was I was way 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 into that for a long time and then you know typically summertime comes around and I'm like know, yeah, summertime you have to have the good beach reads, so you definitely <laughs> have to you know, have all the love stories and things like that. So all of the, you know, I just go to the bestsellers. Well, there's this, um, uh, her name escapes me right now. Um, this great author out of Nantucket and every year she'll write a new, you know, story based in Nantucket. And it's always a little bit, a little bit love story and a little bit of, you know, heavy drama like somebody has to die or get shot or something like that, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which is—it's so ironic, right? Because this is—you're talking about
2: Nantucket, which exactly. nothing happens on Nantucket, Some, right? So. Right, exactly. That's hilarious. All right, um, and then you—you're working on both animated movie and a musical. What is your favorite one of each? What inspires you? What re- loved What did you love as a kid? What do you love as an adult? Is either a favorite animated movie
3: or musical, and/or okay. Uh, well, my favorite movie is uh, as a kid was Robin Hood. Um, oh my gosh, how great is Robin Hood! And then my favorite musical as an adult is Beautiful.
2: Ooh, Carol King. I have a friend's producer on that show. That is a beautiful musical itself. You're right. Good choices. So I like those. All right, so this is going to be. I want to know uh, who a dream collaborator would be to sing with, and who would be a dream collaboration to write for, and that can be in music, film, or tele, or uh, or film.
3: Um, let's see. Wow, that's. Um, I would love to do some kind of collaboration with Nora and Pure. I mean, um, mm, yeah, she's. So, crazy, amazing. Um, And what was the second one?
2: Uh, Who would you like to write for? If you could write for someone in either a song, if you could either write a song for someone or a television or movie project, who would you like to write for? Ooh. Um, Hmm. Well, I'd
3: love to write a song for, like, Nervo, maybe.
2: Ooh. That might be interesting. That would be interesting. I like it. And last question, you're about to be stranded on a desert island, but you're allowed to save one of your albums. Uh, This (laughs) is for one cocktail, and you get to bring one person with you. What would those three be? (laughs) Okay.
3: So uh, my one album uh, I would save is uh, my own album, No Regrets, which was album number – Uh, I can't remember, 10th maybe.
2: Um, (laughs) My
3: cocktail would be a jalapeno spicy margarita. Ooh, okay. And uh, let's see. I would take Robin Williams because I just think that would be fun.
2: That would be an amazing time. You would never get bored on that island, that's for sure. Exactly. Very cool. (laughs) Thanks for playing five questions with Kim Cameron. All right, we've got to wrap things up here. Let everyone know your website and where they can find you on social media. So the best place to do is just go to
3: my website because I have all the social media icons right on top, and my website is sidefxmusic.com. Side F, is, uh, F as F is in Frank. X is in Xraymusic.com, and on top are links to Instagram and to Twitter and everything Pandora, every place I'm on. So that's probably the best place to go.
2: Very, very cool. And we're going to play out with a little bit of Simply Naked. Give us a quick story behind that song. So it's.
3: Really, another love story, because that's what I do with I write love stories. And, you know, when you strip away everything that you hide behind, what would it feel like
2: to just be purely naked? I love it. Kim Cameron, you've been a most excellent guest on The Leftist Raid Show. Thanks so much for coming on.
3: I loved it. Thanks so much, Scott.
2: Stay on the line for me. We're going to play out to that aforementioned Kim Cameron song, Simply Naked. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to have Jay Mack. You'll see the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. We are back. That was Kim Cameron. Guys, we're going to go on to my next guest today. We had our, we're, we're doing a uh, J-Mac sandwich. We had a live guest just now with Kim. We're going to finish up with a live uh, interview with the fantastic Chris Beverly. But this is a pre-tip I was able to do on Friday uh, with my next guest. Um, great singer, great songwriter. This is J-Mac. We're going to play a little clip of his boy band days so and get right into the interview. You'll sing The Left to Straight Show right here on the left of straight radio network girls, we are back. That was a snippet of the debut for the first all-gay boy band, Echo 5. that came across my radar a few years back with their debut. Appropriate enough, Rainbow, and today we have one of the amazing singers from that group. His newest single just dropped its music video last week, and it fuses a great beat with some fantastic rap lyrics. I'm excited to find out more about his journey these past couple years and where his goal is heading now. So please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Jay Mack. Jay, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show. I appreciate it during uh, Corona 2020. I'm sure I have a <laughs> captive audience there. How are you holding up? Are you okay?
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm holding up. I'm in a great space. I'm surrounded by amazing people. I mean, not, you know, too close, six feet away and whatnot. But I'm, I'm loving the space and I'm enjoying myself
2: right now. A little bit of time off. Very cool, very cool. It gives you time to write and hone and everything like that. Uh, it's got to be a little frustrating. you got this amazing new video that just dropped yesterday, and that would have been fun to celebrate with all your friends. That had to be a little sad, but it's a great video. wasn't. Yeah,
4: it definitely was a little sad, but everybody's, like, viewing it. Everyone's streaming it. We're all going back and forth, so lots of Zoom calls and FaceTime. So it, it's still nice. It's a great experience to see that outpouring of love from friends and family.
2: I bet. That is awesome. And what are you doing to pass the time? Are you solely doing writing and singing, or are you uh, are you a binging on anything, or how are you passing the time? Um, so
4: the first 15, 20 days or so, I was stuck on Animal Crossing. Oh,
2: <laughs> ah, nice. Nice. I have a lot of friends that did the exact same thing, my friend. How'd you get out of that yeah, rabbit hole? It-
4: um actually i just started writing i was like oh crap my reviews my, like everything's coming up everything's going to be releasing like i need to get back to writing i need to get back to the core so for like the last week or so we've been diving back into like re- researching some music and doing some more writing and just getting back to the vibe and preparing for live stuff or live streaming stuff so
2: that's kind of where we are now right very very cool well, since you are a first-time guest, I always like to start at the very beginning a bit, give my listeners a little background for you. Talk about a second, where did you grow up, uh, what kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up?
4: Ooh, okay. So I grew up in Sanford, North Carolina, which is kind of the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to be when I grew up. When my mother asked me that question, I remember I told her I wanted to be Whitney Houston. Um, so I've always kind of wanted to be in the industry and always wanted to be a singer. So that was kind of one of my first draws. Um, the type of kid that I was, kind of shy, just super introverted, very like TV and home type of
2: kid. Wow. And you, you knew you wanted to be a singer or you just like you wanted to, to perform or what did you think? It just, or you just were enamored with Whitney?
4: No, I, I definitely wanted to be a singer. Um, Whitney's amazing, and then that kind of just, like, snowballed me into, like, R&B and gospel and all those different types of things, but definitely
2: always wanted to be a singer. Fantastic. Well, you're so good at it, my friend. Let's start and talk a little bit about your coming out story, though. I read where you kind of had to come out twice. Um, I like to know from my guests usually when did you first come out to yourself and then talk about when did you really – first start being part of the lgbt community you felt you were part of the community
4: mm, um first came out to myself i was around 11 it was like the, the the aha moment i was like oh what's that thing they keep talking about gay gay i was like oh that's it that that's what's going on here that mm. i figured it out you know it clicked um <laughs> and then i would say when did i really i really didn't start feeling like a part of the community until i got to college you Now you you get out of the small town you go to your university and you're like, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to be a new person. And you are like, I'm going to be rainbows and sunshine and all of this hype. And, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely, I definitely went down that road quite a bit just like unapologetically celebrating myself and who I was and everyone around me and all that they were too, not just the LGBT community, but a lot of other aspects of humanity in general. So yeah, probably around 18 when I went off to college
2: Nice. And where did that confidence come from? Was there any artists that you were able to look up to back then? Or uh, just kind of where did all you were able to dig into that well of confidence?
4: Um, Honestly, it it didn't really come from much of anywhere but the decision. It was like, I'm tired of being the shy. I'm tired of being the homebody. Like, I just want to be out.
2: Very cool. And what was your earliest influences in music? How would you kind of describe your sound back then? And how has it evolved to now?
4: Um, I definitely say some of my earliest influences were Whitney Houston, Tony Braxton, Babyface, Usher, so very much R&B vibes. I grew up in church, so anything from a hymn book I can probably give you a little bit of. Um, but yeah, those were my earliest influences when it came to music. And describing my sound now, it's 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 still very much so R&B, but I find myself gravitating more and more towards like Latin influence, like sounds, and more like reggaeton and dubstep and all all those like dance hall type beats because it just feels good to move to
2: nice i like that yeah uh tony unbreak my heart was my best friend's very first ever breakup song when he came out and got his first boyfriend. I heard that thing on repeat about 8 million times. I got to tell you, my friend. So I became a uh, Tony Braxton fan just to make him listen to more than one song. But <laughs> she is a good influence to have. Very, very cool. Um, so you're writing the songs. You're a great songwriter. What comes to you first? You usually have, the music, you get a beat in your head, or do you start with lyrics and kind of work that way, or does it just depend on the song?
4: Truly, it all starts with experience. Um, everything I've written about is kind of extremely personal to me, or someone that's really close to me has experienced, and we shared that moment together. Um, but the music mm. really comes first. The moment is the first bit of inspiration. It's like You feel it in like the sounds and the melody and everything that's coming from the music, and you're like, that's what situation fits here.
2: Nice. And were you uh, ever a dancer before, or did you have the natural rhythm that way, or do you just have the sounds in your head and able to work it that way? How does music interpret itself to your body?
4: I've never really considered myself a dancer per se, but there are certain things that just feel right. So I can go with the flow, and if you give me choreography and enough time to rehearse it, we'll be pretty good.
2: There you go. I like it. And what was the fastest song you ever wrote? Did something just ever spill out of you quickly, or do you have a? Is it kind of a long process, and you massage it a bit, or how does your process go in writing?
4: I would say every song kind of comes naturally, but I'd say the quickest song I wrote was my second release this year, which was Satisfaction Guaranteed. It kind of just flew out from the second I heard the track, and I was like, I was driving in from Ventura to Venice. I was just, like, listening to the beat in the car, and I was like, oh, crap. And I just started singing along, and the whole song wrote itself by the time I made it to Venice.
2: Nice. I like that. We were talking off air that we both lived in Ventura area, and I I love the drive down PCH. Now it's got to be nice when there's no traffic. It's kind of hellacious when I used to live there. Oh, um, it's beautiful. It's got to be a little bit of drive from Ventura through um, Malibu and down to Venice now. A little easier drive totally is. Great beachfront cities, though. Um, What kind of are you, what's gravitated you to the beach while you live there?
4: It's more of an energetic pool. Um, Also, work is down here for the most part, and it's just beautiful. Like, right now, I'm on a rooftop. It's sunny. The wind's blowing. Temperature's perfect. You know, aside from my sinuses being a little messed up because of any pollen or Pollution in the air, which luckily is getting better, thanks COVID. Um, You know, I'm great. (laughs) I love it. It just it feels amazing to be here.
2: I love it. And Venice had its first pride about three years ago or so. Have you been able to play a pride or go to a pride in Venice? Were you living there when that happened? Because this year, who knows, it's even going to happen.
4: Actually, the band that I was a part of beforehand, Echo V, we played Venice's first pride.
2: Really nice yeah very cool. I had one of the founders of Venice Pride on the very first year, and uh that was that was pretty exciting stuff and they've had come in the news with the rainbow painted uh lifeguard tower and stuff so Venice is a cool area and it 's really becoming very lgbtq friendly over the last three or four years
4: oh yeah it, and it's beautiful. The space is just getting better and better
2: i I really love Venice now and we've been talking um to a lot of my guests, th- there is a couple of side effects of COVID nineteen. Of course, is actually air quality and water quality. Things are actually cleaning up for those that are climate deniers and stuff. It's got to be uh, even more beautiful, I would think. Oh yeah, it is.
4: I think I was um, I was
2: headed back to Ventura, and I decided to take the one hundred
4: and one, and right where you connect from the four hundred five to the one hundred and one, there's a downhill. And I've never looked out in the five years I lived in Los Angeles. I've never looked out past the freeway, but I looked out past the freeway and there were mountains. I didn't know there were mountains <laughs> there. And I don't think I've
2: ever been able to see them before. That is hilarious. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about too. I love that. Too funny. Well, you mentioned Echo V. We got to talk about that a bit. You were part of the very first gay boy band there. There was five of you there. Talk about that experience. What brought you guys together, and what did you think about it at the time when, it, when someone proposed it to you? Um, so actually
4: it was sometime after I moved to California, and I was just working 9 to 5, day in, day out, and I had actually stopped doing music for quite some time. And I started, like, getting that itch where it's like I, I can't be happy without this. You know, everything else in life was good. There were no problems. And I was like, there's something wrong. And I was like, I'm not doing something I'm passionate about. So I started looking for live gigs, um, karaoke nights, anything like that on Craigslist. This is when Craigslist was really big. Um, and I saw an ad looking for a boy band member. I was like, oh, I'm going to go audition for this. A few phone calls and videos back and forth. And I was auditioning and part of the group.
2: Nice. Well, I got to say, the, uh, the sounds blended together fantastic. Another thing I really liked was the diversity of the group. You had a really good diverse core. I mean, a lot of the boy bands you've seen are all vanilla white boys up there singing and trying to dance, some of them better than others, but uh, was that kind of thought as well, besides being the first gay band to have that diversity, or is that just kind of the way it worked out? Well, ironically, the
4: band never set out to be extremely diverse. It never really set out to be an LGBT group. Um, We actually just all came together as singers. We all auditioned, and then it was kind of that aha moment when we were, when I, I think I was I was the fifth person for the group at that time. And I, and we all just finished the auditions and we looked around the room. It's was like, are you gay? Are you gay? And it was like, yeah. And it was like sisterhood immediately. So. Oh, wow. Just ironic. We just ended up becoming an LGBT group. None of us were intending on that. I don't think that was how the group was meant to be put together. So it just
2: ended up being an amazing coincidence. That is wild. And talk about being part of a group. I mean, there's always good parts and bad parts what was the best thing about being together and what was kind of the worst part about being together as a band? I mean,
4: I would say that it's the exact same thing. There, it's the double-edged sword of having a sense of community and working with any group of people where it's like you have all of this amazing input, all of these talents, all of these things coming together and melding and working together, and then sometimes those things don't work. You know? So it's a cursing and a blessing all at the same time.
2: Sure, sure. And what was... Um your most memorable moment being with the group is there any place you guys played or anything you remember that really sticks out in your mind?
4: Ironically, I would say we did Phoenix rainbow festival, October of um, what was it October of 2018. And I think like flying into Phoenix and just like experiencing how they had their setup a great performance set and just everybody coming together and chilling and vibing. I think that was really one of our, like, that's the standout moment
2: for me was like Phoenix,
4: Phoenix rainbow festival.
2: That sounds amazing. Very, very cool. And now you're performing your own solo career. Was it, I mean, usually when people break up, it's because of they want to try things out on their own. There's usually good feelings. Sometimes not. Is it, you always get back to the point where you miss each other. Are you guys at that point yet where you're calling each other up and (laughs) missing each other? How's it like going to the single route now? Um,
4: Well, one, our our communication never really stopped for me. Leaving the group was, it was a personal thing. I was dealing with some personal medical, like life stuff at the time. And Mm -hmm. so I needed to step back and reassess myself. And then during that period when I was coming out of that and just like coming back up the hill, um, I was just writing more, I was singing more, I was feeling my vibe and I just started producing music. So none of it was really like I was never intending to go solo. That was never a major intention.
2: <laughs> and talk about when you're when you're doing that, do you feel a different vibe? Your music? I mean, that was you were very poppy there, you had some good songs and echo, but did your vibe kind of change a little bit and talk about um what your writing was like? Did you feel inspiration from the group, or did you just feel yourself going in a whole different direction?
4: I feel like a lot of things have shifted and were influenced by the experience with the group. So uh, the group is extremely diverse in many ways. Like we had members who were more musical theater, who were more hip-hop, some who were more R&B, and some who were more like pop directly. So that experience has just shifted and changed me. So I'm kind of like writing from all of those, experiences and vibing
2: with all of those sounds now nice i love that and what's kind of different what now that you're on your own do you miss the comfort of having other people and blending your music together and having kind of like a camaraderie there what's kind of the the best and worst part of being a single artist
4: I do, and, and, again, it comes back to that double-edged sword of, like, community and working together. Like, I do, I miss having that, that I can just turn to somebody and like, hey, does that sound good? Does that sound right? How, that that little bit of security that comes with having a group of people, uh, the opinion, the talent, like, that source, that resource is is something you can't really deny, and so I definitely do miss that. Um, but it also is one of the best parts about being a so It's like, Ooh, I'm going to make a decision. There we go. But then it's like that moment where you feel slightly insecure about something like, Oh crap, I got to question that three or four times in my head before I move forward. So (laughs) it's nice because you always had somebody to have your back, but then it's really great now because you just, you go forward and you do. And if you mess up, then you go back to the drawing board.
2: There you go. I like that. And talk about the music business in general. I mean, we've had, uh, In the past, some of the older boy bands had some really controlling people there, and uh, talk and music in general has changed. I mean, you're young enough where it's pretty much the same. You probably had streaming your entire career that way, but it went from creating albums and creating a feel of a music to now doing singles and releasing things different way. How do you feel the music business is, and how does it work with your vibe?
4: When you, I feel like when you dive really deep into it, it's all still technically the same. You know, the only difference is independent artists now have so much access to all of these other streaming platforms, all of these ways to promote themselves. So it's just the difference in if you decide you want to build a big team or if you want to go at it and do it on your own. So I feel like one of the best experiences about being an independent artist is, of course, being able to make those decisions. But it's an amazing transition. I feel like it's so nice to be able to have so much control over what you're doing.
2: I bet. Sure. And we talked a bit off air and I've talked to a couple of other guests that now with this whole uh, COVID thing going on, really the face of entertainment is changing a bit. We're seeing a lot of artists doing a lot of video streaming with their music now. And who knows how soon we're going to be able to gather more than 20 to 50 people at a time. How are you kind of getting in your head how you're going to adapt to that? Where do you see the future music going for a little while?
4: I mean, definitely for a little while it will be very hard to get people together in gatherings and do live performances. So I think one of the benefits is, you know, we're all learning the technology. We're all developing who we are when we're just by ourselves. So, I mean, one of my purchases this morning on Amazon was some equipment to do live performances from a space. So... Yeah, it's definitely going to be a small transition until all of this clears up, but it's not necessarily bad. It's just different.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Let's get into the new singling video. I really, really like it. Let everyone know um, the the name of it, and it sounds so personal to me. The lyrics are amazing. Um, Describe a little bit about what the song is about. So, The single's called No Love,
4: and it features a rapper that I recently met actually through Instagram, not even in person, uh, Mac, and Mac's an amazing writer and singer as well, Uh, but the song itself is really, it's a cautionary tale, and it's a situation I've personally flipped in my life that's mainly about not allowing yourself to chase after people who aren't ready to receive the love that you're wanting to give, and also Searching deeper inside yourself to understand what love means to you so that you don't end up in situations where you're stuck with someone who can't give you what you deserve.
2: Right, right. That makes so much sense. And the music video is very cool, very well thought out production. Um, was the music video your vision? And talk about the imagery of it because I kind of read about a little dual messaging in it that I thought was very, very kind of awesome in its own way. Talk about the video in that process.
4: Um, so the video, I, w- I would like to say it's just my brainchild, but definitely a conversation with some friends lended it ear to how we went about it. So I had several concepts in my head, but then I ended up having this conversation with a couple of my close friends about breakups and cheating and, like, the concept that I was working on. They were like, well, shouldn't that be a crime, the way that person treated you? And we started diving into if breaking someone's heart, or cheating on someone and lying to someone should be criminal offenses – and pretty much how that would go in our modern judicial system. So that's really the major influence for the entire video. It's what if we criminalize heartbreak and what that would look like?
2: I thought that was just a, such an interesting way to look at it, and it's really cool. How long did it take to shoot?
4: We set up for a six-hour day, uh, but ironically, a lot of things went wrong. You know, you can never plan for
2: everything. So we ended up shooting right. the entire video within a four-hour period. Oh, man. That's pretty wild. Yeah, my friend uh, recently did a music video down at a beach in Malibu that he's never been to before, but he thought it would be very cool. First thing he didn't realize is that there's about 100 steps down to the beach, and you know how much equipment it takes for a music video. So it took 10 years uh. just to move the equipment back and forth. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's some tales of woe going on in making videos. I don't envy any of you artists that do that because it's it's a lot of work that goes into it, right?
4: It is, and it's definitely a little stressful. The smaller your team is, the more stressful it can be. And I had an amazing team of people who just came in and were ready to help and willing to help for free, and I I just got really, really lucky,
2: to be honest. You say you're working on more music. You have more stuff in your head coming out. Have you seen – how is the music developing? Are you feeling a theme through it? Is it kind of telling a story as it goes? or is it just different parts of your life that you've written into song and you're kind of dispersing them in different times? Or how is the music coming about to you? I mean, the most signs
4: about anything that I'm kind of working on, especially this year, some of the stuff we've just started writing now is love is always part of the theme, you know, falling down the right path or the wrong path of love and how that sort of like has affected me and affected people that I've been with. So I guess I'm more of a cautionary tale, when you're listening to the music, like, please don't do this. Please don't get your heart broken this way. But, you know, some things you definitely have to experience, and
2: that's what's coming out. Nice, nice. Now now, speak to that for a second. I mean, we have – you're a young, you're a very good-looking artist out there. I'm sure people are at the all time. What does it take to get into the heart of J-Mac? What are you looking for out there in a guy? Um, a very honest,
4: secure human beings who's kind of got their shit together or at least is on the path to getting their shit together but unfortunately kind of already found that person and they got their shit way better together than i do so i'm super thankful to be riding the wave with them
2: there you go that's great uh, congratulations it's it's great when you find your people out there and you, you ride that journey for as long as you can hopefully it's forever and congratulations man that's awesome all right thank you We'll talk a little bit about any future projects, anything that you're looking to do. Um, do you have music videos in mind? How many how many tracks are you working on right now? Uh, right now we're working on about six
4: more for release throughout the year. Um, Down just released at the end of March. Satisfaction guaranteed before that in February on Valentine's Day. We're looking at releasing another song next month, early May, called DM. That'll feature myself, Kid, and Pretty Boy Rock. But yeah, there will be something dropping every single month, whether it's a remix, whether it's a new song, a video. There's going to be something consistently coming. One of my goals when stepping into 2020 was consistency. And we're definitely not going to let COVID slow that down.
2: Good for you, man. That's awesome. And when we get out of our quarantining mode here, um, what kind of, what do you like to do to travel? Do you like playing the more small, intimate? 200, 300 clubs or do you like hitting five to 6,000 or what are you kind of looking for? What's your vibe when you're singing? I'm live? looking for, I am
4: looking for every single opportunity to perform. I don't care if it's three people. I don't care if it's 3,000 or if it's <laughs> 3 million, I just want to be in front of people. And that's, that's, that's the thing for me. The, the two most enjoyable parts about this industry is the creation process and then performing. Like, that's it. Like, that. that's what I really love to do. So that's what I'm hoping to get to very soon.
2: Nice. Well said. And is there any places that you would like to go back to again to perform that you have before, either with Echo or on your own? And is there any dream places you'd like to perform in the future?
4: Sadly, I really haven't
2: thought about that, but I am
4: just extremely open to anything and everything that's coming. The one thing I love about living in Los Angeles is there are so many untapped resources and venues. So it's all about right. getting to that next space and communicating with all of those people.
2: And your music is so um, verbally strong. It has great lyrics. Have you ever thought about licensing it out to, like, movies and things like that? Because you do have such great storytelling in your music. Have you ever been approached on that, or is that something you'd be interested in?
4: Yeah, actually, it is. One of the really cool things, and I'm not sure if I can talk about this. No one told me I couldn't, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, Reverie, the LGBT streaming service, actually licensed out the video for No Love. So that's going to be a great partnership moving forward. Um, Some people I'd really love to get my music out to would be anyone and everyone willing to. I love seeing some of the creativity that's coming from like HBO and Netflix, and all of the unsigned and independent artists that they're working with on their program. So I'm really looking forward to pushing in those directions as well.
2: Very good. Reverie is an excellent company to be working with. Deku, who does a lot of LGBT videos out there, is an after-the-fact more video and movie-oriented. But uh, I'm glad you're out there with Reverie. They're a great, great group to work with. And uh, do you think you, if, if Pride kind of goes in, um, do you like doing the Pride festivals? You said you had a great time out in Arizona in a different type of festival. Um, is, it, is it fun to do the Pride festivals for you? Oh, it's extremely fun. It's always fun. Like,
4: even if it's local travel or if it's, like, cross-country, like, it's amazing to do those events because you're just surrounded by so much love. That is the one really amazing thing about Pride. When you walk into that space, there is so much love, so much camaraderie. One thing I'm really looking forward to, and hopefully COVID is passed, or at least we can gather at that point, Palm Springs typically happens in November. So I'm hoping and praying that that is an opportunity that we get to, be a part of this year
2: there you go i'm shooting for palm springs i do my show for the last two years i do my show for a month of live shows in palm springs every uh june or july and uh, this year i don't know if i'm going to do it because the resort i usually do it at is closed till june 10th so i'm not sure what's going to happen but this year um i have a good lots of good friends live in palm springs so this year I'm going to do Palm Springs Pride no matter what. I usually haven't been able to go because I do a month's worth of shows, either June, July, or August. So I usually can't get back quick enough, but I think that's a great plan. November yeah. in Palm Springs is a beautiful time, right? Exactly, and it's it's still Cali weather, so even though it's November, it's not cold. <laughs> exactly. And that, That's why I get a free month of room. In and, and Palm Springs <laughs> in June, July, and August Because it's hot as hell there, my friend yes. <laughs> He said, come on out yes. I'll give you a free room for a month And bring your bring your exactly. um, guests out there We'll give them a free room Because no one else is here, too damn hot <laughs> Very true All right, well, Jay Mack It's been just a pleasure getting to know you This is your first time on the show We're going to have to have you back many, many times As new music drops awesome. Let all my listeners know where they can find you On your YouTube channel You have a website, social media
4: yeah, YouTube is going to be J Mac Music and that is J A Y M A Q M U S I Q. That's music with a Q. The website's gonna be the same, J Mac Music dot com, Instagram, J Mac Music or at J Mac Music. Those are gonna be the three platforms where you really want to, where you're gonna find everything. The website is where everything hits first, but I G and YouTube, J A Y, M A Q, M U S I Q, and you're good to go.
2: Very, very good. Well Guys, you got to be following Jay. He's got some amazing music coming at you. Check out the video. Um, you're going to love it, every second of it. And we'll have to have you back real soon, my friend. Thanks for being on the Left to Straight Show. All right. Thank you. You have a good one. All right. Stand in line for me, Jay. Guys, we're going to have a very special five questions with Jay Mack. Be sure to look for that little bonus content coming in the next couple days. We're going to go ahead and play out to this new single by Jay. And I'll be back to wrap things up in just a little bit. you will listening to the Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network.
0: We now interrupt your regularly scheduled entertainment for breaking news. Singer, songwriter, and multi-platinum recording artist J-Mac has been charged with felony heartbreak under fuckboy code 12.3.20 and is set to appear in court today. I don't think- Why do you give your heart so easily? Don't say that you love me if you don't know what it means. The love you want, you can't get from me. I've been in these streets too long. I don't think I can see what it is you got from me. What you're offering. There have been so many in the past. Who tried and failed to teach this don't restrict heart and impaired No love, no, no love, no. we used to f*** raw, no glove, and now you texting me back to back. I ain't got no time for that, understand you want to love, but you ain't getting none I'm focused on relationships, I'm focused on the racks. You trying to get my heart, I'm trying to get a plaque. I feel bad, but you gotta understand, that I don't want to be your man. Think I love you the way you love me Why do you give your heart so easily Don't say that you love me if you don't know what it means The love you want you Your head trying to fall in love with me so hard. I've been around the block so many times, I don't know where to start. If you want my body, baby, I can't give it to you. But if you want my heart, I don't know what to do. I don't think I love you the way you love me. Why do you give your heart so? Easily don't say that you love me if you don't know what it means, the love you want, you can't get from me. You better find another that'll give it to you how you want it, cause after I smash I'm dashing in the morning. Please stop in my DM, please stop hashtagging me your MCM. If you want the pipe, then I'ma give you the pipe, but if you acting clingy, then I'ma leave you tonight. I ain't got no time to argue, I ain't got no time to fight. That's probably why you single, show your right, uh. Give me kiss and hugging, give me all your lovin'. Remember, baby, I'm not your husband. Stop trying to tell me about your type. I came to get your brain, didn't the pipe. It's not a fight, Promise you a knife. Could probably love you, but who wouldn't treat you right. Cause your love is for anyone. Baby, that means I'm not the one. So easily, don't say that you love me if you don't know what it means. The love you want, you can't get anything. No,
2: no, no, no.
0: Hey.
2: righty, guys, we are back. My next guest is an acclaimed, out and proud trans singer and songwriter whose music can go from sultry to rap in the bat of an eyelash. She was part of the church choir as well as a member of her school's band. She started her transition at the age of 19, and that was the key that helped unlock her ability to live a positive, confident, and influential lifestyle and begin to thrive. She's also a top-selling artist and president of TEN, T-E-N, the Trans Entertainment Network. I'm so excited to have her on the show. Please welcome for the first time, Miss Crystal Beverly. Crystal, how we doing? My mic didn't have you my mic didn't give you on. How you doing, Crystal? I'm great. How are you? I am amazing. I'm so happy to have you on. How's everything in beautiful downtown Atlanta this evening? Everything is great. The weather's great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. Um I know you're working tonight. I'm sorry to hear that. We got this COVID stuff going. How are you holding up? Are you doing okay?
5: Um, I'm grateful to be essential, yes. <laughs>
2: there you go. A paycheck yes. is a beautiful thing in these days. But uh, thank Absolutely. you for whatever service you're doing. We appreciate it. Thank you. Um, no problem. A lot of other artists are able to hunker down a little bit and get to the singing and songwriting. So you're kind of doing double duty still. Are you still... Feeling, are you getting inspired? I mean, there's so much stuff around to really inspire um, people for some of their best things and their and their worst things out there. Um, are you able to kind of do double duty and write some notes down while you're out and about in it? Absolutely. Um, I actually just
5: started, began to write a new song um, with somewhat of a deeper message than what I usually relay. A lot of time, I sing about love and relationships, mostly, Um, but this new song that is kind of coming to me is just a little more aware, and um, it's not necessarily political, but it's definitely inspired by everything that's going on around me right now Um, with this pandemic, um, with our president, and people are afraid, and... I really think it's time to, you know, do something a little more uplifting and something that can be sort of sort of an anthem and that can be
2: received nationwide. That's fantastic. I can't wait to hear more about that when it comes out. Let's uh, go ahead and start from the beginning since it's your first time on the show. Talk a little bit about where you grew up. What kind of a kid were you and what did you first want to be when you grew up? Well, I'm from Chicago,
5: Illinois, and I was born and raised there. I've just left Chicago four years ago, and I've been in Atlanta, you know, these past four years. Besides that, I've always been in Chicago. I grew up, you know, singing in the choir as my bio read, and I also played in the band a little bit. I was always very optimistic and very hopeful. I always had big dreams. I've always wanted to be an entertainer, I've always been interested in the arts, whether it be actual art or, you know, recording music, um, playing instruments, theater, modeling, almost any facet of entertainment I kind of always have been interested in. Um, So that definitely shaped my direction growing up and the things that I wanted to do. I never actually was one of those kids that wanted, you know, especially as a kid, a lot of us give cliche answers like, oh, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a lawyer. And those things are all great, but I always wanted to be an entertainer. So here I am.
2: (laughs) That's awesome, though. You're able to follow your dream and actually attain that. That is always very cool to hear. Um, Talk a little bit about – your transitioning process, I mean, 19 relatively young. Of course, we see a lot more happening younger now. Um, but when did you first come out to yourself and realize that you might be a little different?
5: Oh, well, even as a very young kid, I knew I was different. Um, I used to take, like, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. I used to take, um, like, T-shirts, and I would put them, like, upside down on my head and make hair or I would take a sheet and wrap it around and that would be like my gown. Um, so <laughs> I always knew that I was, you know, a little different. And um, and my family, obviously, they, they knew as well. Um, but when I turned about 19 years old um, is when I, I guess, put on my first wig and went outdoors. And I went to this little party or whatever. And I guess from there is where it kind of started. Um, I didn't necessarily think I was going to transition, but I do live right. my life as a woman. And um, I'm lucky to have, you know, pretty much the support of my family and their love. And
0: great. I don't
5: necessarily have the sad story that a lot of my trans sisters have or just the LGBT community, or pretty much anybody that's different from their family or different from what society wants, and they get exiled. Um, Because I do recognize that the issues that we try to label ourselves with as the LGBT community, most people have the same issues. We all go through the same thing. Like when people ask me about, you know, trans murders, I'm concerned with, the murder rate period no matter who it is for whatever reason and I guess I focus on the general aspects of things not to say that I'm not pro trans but even in my music I want it to be relatable to everybody so I try to be as general as possible with everything that I do because I don't want people to treat me just like uh, well that's just a trans this and a trans that you know, I'm a person, and I live a normal lifestyle just like everybody else.
2: That's so very well I said. Try not I like to that. Push those right. things. Yeah. I think that's very well said. I like that, and I like that we. I mean, like you said, we all have the same issues to deal with. There might be different things from here and there. But in general, nobody wants to get beat up out in the street. Nobody wants to live in poverty or be homeless. No one wants to be teased or bullied for anything, crooked teeth or anything. It doesn't really matter. So I I like that. Um, There are – did you ever, though, feel – I mean, unfortunately, trans women, especially trans women of color – do have um, sometimes a harder, in Chicago and Atlanta, are kind of mean streets on occasion. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you ever have to take any extra precautions, or you kind of just felt, I'm just being mean?
5: Well, um, I can honestly say, thank God I haven't had too many um, issues or dangerous situations while out and about. I literally can think of maybe two issues that I may have had while being out in the public. And right. I know I owe that to the fact that I am passable. But I do recognize that not all trans women are necessarily um being so passable. And they go out right. and they still have the same courage that I have to go out and be themselves. And um that's when the problems come in and, you know, people want to point and make make fun and things like that. But I can gratefully say that I haven't had too many problems. I'm able to work. I'm able to, you know, live my life and and be proud of who I am at the same time. I know there are some trans women that are very, very passable, and they don't even disclose and they'd rather not be labeled as trans at all. They're just a woman, which right. ultimately that's what we all want as trans women. But sure. since I've been a part of Trans Entertainment Network, I've been much more proud to say that I am a trans woman because hmm. we have so many trans in other powerful positions, such as politics, athletes, actors, and actresses, comedians but we don't necessarily have a mainstream trans artist musically. Right. And I know that there are some out there, and I know that there are some bigger names out there, but they're not mainstream just yet. And we're trying to rewrite that narrative and, you know, become serious, award-winning, acclaimed artists, because our music is just as great as anybody else.
2: There you go, and you are killing it, my dear. That's for darn sure. Talk about your <laughs> musical influence. What was your musical influences growing up? What kind of what kind of helped you create your sound and describe your sound?
5: Well, growing up, my musical influences was gospel. And my father who raised me, who was a pastor now, um, he wasn't at that time but he is now. Um, he had me in a church a lot and I pretty much, you know, he let me be a kid. I lived a kid's life. I only watched Disney Channel and Cartoon Network, and I, li- mm-hmm. and I listened to a lot of gospel music and went to church a lot. Um, when it came time for me to, you know, grow up a little bit and kind of listen to, I guess, whatever I wanted to listen to, um, my biggest inspiration at that time when I was younger was Destiny's Chow, which obviously later became you know, Beyoncé, and she is my favorite right. artist, and Destiny's Child was, you know, obviously my favorite group at the time. Between Beyoncé and Nicki Minaj, those are two of my favorite artists of this generation, not to mention Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Patti LaBelle, Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner. Those are my all-time favorites, and they are some of the greatest to ever do. The it.
2: classics, yeah. <laughs> and
5: the classics, absolutely, absolutely. And that definitely helped me to create my my sound. Um, I never necessarily wanted to be a rapper, and I definitely never wanted to be labeled as a rapper, but if you rap, that's what they label you as. And in my music, I do sing as well. So I'm trying to create, well, I think I've come up with a great balance of both rap and r&d and trying to create right. a sultry sound even though i'm rapping i don't even like to choose typical hip-hop beats um i'm kind of doing a reverse of what pop music is doing right now because obviously over the past few years rap music has been kind of the top and the forefront with people like right know, sure. the whole young money crew uh drake wayne mickey and Migos, Cardi B, you know, rap has been a really, really big thing. And so now, if you notice, in the pop music, when we have artists like Ariana Grande, who I also love, a lot of her tracks are hip-hop tracks, even though she's singing right. lollipop pop music. She's doing it over a hip-hop track. But I'm sort of doing the opposite, and I don't pick hip-hop tracks. I pick tracks that have more musicality to them. Um... That allows me to sing on my hooks and my bridges, and then I rap on my verses, typically. And it just creates a fresher sound than what's just typically out there right now. So I think those are my major, and I know for a fact those are my major influences. If I had to pick two artists, B and Nikki, put them together, and you kind of get a little bit of me. But I am still my own artist. (laughs)
2: There you go. You definitely are. And talk about your writing a bit and where your songs come from. We talked a bit off air before we started um, that you primarily go from feelings, from love, from from internalized feelings, but now you're kind of uh, looking a little more at the world around us. But talk about your inspiration for songs. Um, typically,
5: when I begin writing a song, I hear a melody in my head. Okay. And I kind of go with that melody until I can put lyrics to that melody. I don't have to have a track or a beat. The melody can come just to me. Um, like the other day I was in the shower, and the song that I told you about, it just kind of this fresh melody just kind of popped in my head, and I just kind of went with it. And I kind of just was like, da
1: da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and I just kept saying that over and over until I got lyrics. Don't got enough time to get fly. Don't got enough time to
5: get high. Don't got enough time to get it right. Don't got enough time to get it. Put words to it. And often that's why the cadence is so fast because I'm putting all these words to this melody that I just came up with. And it kind of just goes from there. Well. Then I'll find a beat. And the beat doesn't always have to be perfect, but I have to make it fit. So gotcha. that's kind of been my process or the opposite of that, obviously is I will get a track first and then just write for that.
2: Gotcha. Very cool. I like that. And then like we did talk off air again too, we're going to be playing in a little bit, uh, your song, Pick 'em up. But I just yeah, can't believe is. how freaking fast you're, you're you're rapping and singing there. And we talked about it. It was a little more challenging than you thought once you actually got to the studio, right?
5: <laughs> Absolutely, it was. But the thing to pick them up is, remember when I said I never really wanted to be a rapper? Well, this song in particular was written over the course of quite a few number of years, to be honest. The very first rap that I ever wrote was the first verse to pick them up. And it was years ago. I probably was like fresh out of high school or still in high school, like maybe 18 years old when I wrote that first verse. And that was the first rap verse I ever wrote. Then later on, a couple of years later, I set out and I came up with the second verse. And just until I released it, I didn't have a third verse. And I wrote the third verse right before I went to record it. So you can even hear the progression in each verse, how each verse gets better, because that song was literally written over a number of years before I found that funky beat to put it to. And yeah, that's how that song came about.
2: Wow! I gotta listen to it now, knowing the story behind it. But it it is sailing, yeah. my friend. You are you are ripping your way through that crystal. <laughs> I, like, I I ask my crystal off there. It's like, do you speed that up because I don't think it's possible to be talking that fast. <laughs>
5: I know. <laughs> Even awesome. you know, I remember the first time I performed it. The DJ was like, if you need me to slow it down a little bit, just let me know. <laughs> I was like, okay. For <laughs> me thinking, I'm all of that. You know, I'm like, no, oh, I got it. I got it. And I, I think I handled it pretty well, but I almost lost it a little bit. Um, when the beat dropped, I couldn't really hear it as well. And I almost lost uh-huh. it, but I caught myself.
0: <laughs> nice.
5: So, yeah, it is I really, like really it. fast. <laughs> but one thing is I know the lyrics inside and out. I wrote these lyrics. They poured out of my soul. So when you know it that well, it's just like the alphabet, you can just say it really, really fast.
2: Gotcha. That makes sense. Sure. We'll yeah. talk about um, what do you like. We're of course in Corona 2020 lockdown for performing right now. Do you like to perform live? Do you have? Uh, is that something that you do? Is it something you're going to do? Talk about what you think about live performances. It's so
5: crazy because I love to get on the stage and perform. I've performed all over the country pretty much by now. And I have no problem getting on that stage and just letting it rip. For some odd reason, I am terrified to get in front of a Facebook live camera and just do what I do. <laughs> I don't know why. I am going to do it because I do realize that I definitely need to take this turn to, you know, take advantage of the, you know, people that are at home and that can't right. go out. And I know I need to be uh, much more um, savvy when it comes to social media and things like that, but I'm on the cusp. I'm not really a millennial. I I am, but I'm not. So it's like <laughs> some things I'm 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 really good with, and other things like I was late to Instagram and Twitter and everything. I just had a Facebook for forever, and so. I- When it comes to like, you know, now there's TikTok, I just downloaded that because I'm like, okay, I got to get a TikTok now and (laughs) (laughs) Snapchat and everything else. So uh, it gets a little crazy because it's hard sometimes to keep up with all of these platforms that are necessary to have. And that's why people have teams. And that's what we're definitely trying to do over at Chance Entertainment Network is build a team of people so that we can have somebody to deal with our social media accounts so we can have somebody to deal with making our flyers. Because right now it's just standing eye as far as the business part is concerned. He's the CEO, and I'm the president, and we sit and we make all the flyers. We do all the promotions. We book all the hotels and all that. You know, everything is just him and I right now, which that's fine. But, you know, sometimes it do take a village, and we're still looking for that.
2: No, definitely, and I' wanna get into um ten in just a couple of seconds, but I agree hundred percent I'm on my fifth year doing this now, and the whole reason I did it this way was because I have the face for radio. I don't want to get my face on camera, so I'm saying I don't want to go, I just don't like getting on camera period and plus, like you said, the technology. Um, just the learning curve is like too much for me because I'm older than you. I am past uh, millennial. I, I'm right. close to boomerang. Not quite, but there. So I, I hear you on that. But it is it is important especially the changing landscape of music right now. A lot of my artist friends are doing um, these live streams not just to help entertain the people at home, but because all these things have been canceled, they're putting little Venmo and PayPal things up there and they're they're getting tips on there because that's the only way they have to survive. People that have been doing these gig works forever, it's real important to learn yeah. this new technology. And Who knows how soon we can start being in places more than 50 people at a time, right? A little crazy I know, right
5: and now. I'm just like, it's this so crazy because I get like, um, I guess how maybe a heroin addict probably is when they haven't had their fix. That's kind of how I am when I haven't been on the stage. I get, like, really crazy. So I don't know how much more I'm going to be able to take because when I look up and I haven't been on the stage, I'm, like, poking Stanley with a stick like, Stanley, I need a show. Stanley, you got a show? Stanley, <laughs> you book me a show? <laughs> He's like, okay, 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 I got it. You got one coming up here and there. And I'll be like, okay, great. And then this happened, and we had a lot of things, you know, lined up. But I just got to adapt like everybody else, you know.
2: There you go. Well, if you see a beautiful young lady in the street corner singing really, really fast, that's probably Crystal. Say hi for me. She <laughs> needs to get it out there somehow. Uh, let's talk about 10 for a second, Trans Entertainment Network. Um, mm-hmm. that You you do this with Stan. Is this something that uh, I I love the goals of it to kind of – bring out, uh, get get the next, hopefully just make it a normal thing for them to be a, a top 10, top whatever singer or whatever actor, whatever you happen to do. Do you seek these people out or do you kind of take submissions to other people? Or what's your um, way of running the company? What are you guys looking for? Um, we kind of just
5: have an open door policy. We don't necessarily seek people out. Um we get quite a few people that come our way and come across us um, with that being said, the roster changes a little too often um so we're yeah, it changes quite often. We're definitely, like I said, trying to get a solid team of people um but you know people come and they go. But we have an open-door policy, and it's not just for trans women, because every time there's a trans issue, people just think about the women. There are also just as many trans men out there that are just as talented, so we welcome them as well. Um, People often ask, what about the rest of the LGBT community? We support them as well. But when you're not represented, you have to create that lane for yourself. And that's just all that we're doing. Just like All the said. BEC channel. It wouldn't be a BEC channel if Black America was represented on, you know, everyday television. And at one point right. it wasn't. So they had to create that lane. And that's now that's what we're
2: doing. Well said. I like that. Very, very cool. And what are your goals down the line for both yourself and for 10?
5: My goal for 10 is to make it a biggest brand as possible. We don't just want it to be just a label, we really want it to be a brand. Um, the next thing that we're branching off into will be cosmetics. saying cosmetics. Um, Amazing. I've always said that no matter who's on the label, Tens should still stand strong, and sure enough, so far it has with the evertimes and Roster. Um, I've never looked at it like, you know, like I'm the prize or that I'm this or any that. I'm not above any of the artists. We are a team, so whoever is on the label, we also get the same amount of sign. Um, I know a lot of times people think that I get special treatment, but they don't see how much hard work I actually do behind the scenes, and a lot of times I actually get looked over and put on the back burner because I don't have as big a discography as I probably would like to have because I've been so busy helping with the brand and build the company. But that is definitely the direction that we're going in. As successful as I want to be of a solo artist, I want Tim to be just as successful it's rare that artists outgrow their labels. And, you know, that's just kind of where I stand right now. I'm not trying to outshine anybody. I definitely want to have more people on the label, more people involved. We would like for it to be as many trans people involved as possible. Um, If you make beats, if you're a trans um, if you're a trans producer, engineer, stage coach, touring agent, whatever, we really want to be all trans and I think that's the direction that we're going with 10. As far as myself is concerned, um, I mean, I wanna go as as far as I can, but I'm happy with, you know, just doing what I'm doing, recording my music and performing. And getting it heard on the radio and the podcast and internet radio, if I never win an award, if I never make it to Billboard, as long as I still have my voice and I can still write, then I'm good with that, you know. Obviously, I want to be as successful as possible. You know, I hate when people say, well, I don't care about the fame and stuff like that. But I don't always think that's true. We care about the fame a little bit, and we definitely care about the money. I definitely enjoy when I get paid from doing what I love. Um, but I'm just good writing my music, recording it, and getting to perform.
2: <laughs> well, I hope people see more of it and, and find you and download these incredible tracks. Let everyone know where they can find your music what the website for Ten is and uh, your social media.
5: Absolutely. Well, you can actually just go head over to transentertainmentnetwork.com, and you can find all our social media, all of our music, which will pretty much be on any streaming platform, Spotify, um, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, wherever you listen to your music at, you can find us. But all the links. Definitely is on our website, where you can find our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagram as well uh, for Trans Entertainment. Everything is on our website and the the rest of our artists that are on the roster as well.
2: Fantastic! And for you, I believe it's uh, Crystal underscore Beverly on uh, Twitter and Face and Instagram. Yes,
5: Crystal Beverly. On all of them, I think it's just an underscore on Instagram. But for Twitter and Facebook, it's Crystal with a K,
2: Beverly. Very, very good. Well, Crystal, Beverly, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Left of Straight show tonight. Thanks for staying up late in beautiful Atlanta town and chatting with us tonight.
5: No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this interview
2: we have to have you on the next time a new track drops And any of your talent that we need to get out there You be sure to send them my way Stay on the phone for me, Crystal We're going to play out, as promised, with that song Pick them up You're going to love it, guys And if you can spin this fast, more power to you You're listening to Left The Straight Show Right here on Left The Straight Radio Network I'll be back to wrap up the show in just a couple of minutes Yeah, ready for this? Hey, this nice. uh,
1: Entertainment network in the building. I don't think y'all ready for this. Uh, You ready? I'm telling you, better be the nigga with a big ass me lose my breath. thinking about that shit. Wanna the my bed disappear Come on. it to my door and don't Say a word, to start. undressing. Pull it out so I can spin on his dick. Got me screaming a hundred. Why you fucking me? You loving it. will be done. Give you a piece of paper. the decision. You'll drop it then call Let it the next night. Think about how you're my husband. But I find a different boy Hope that I could do it again. So I can fuck up them Pick up. Take them mama love them feds. Pick up. pick them mama love them Pick them up. Take a mama love Love them, them, up, them love them, them up, up, love them, them, up, them love them, up, up, love them, them, up, them love them, guys. love them, them up, them love them, guys. You know you wanna get this bad, come on baby jump on, so right, this opportunity passes. You know what you gotta do, it ain't just for you, you can get it too. Show you wanna party with me, if it's right gon' hands outta it, you can come with me. You have to show you can hit the rope, yo. I'd rather be with him, giving him the dirt rope And it's coming, in my head is a best You're the kind they be run till I run out of breath. They just wanna put me to that. Pick me up, bring me home, lemonys me to go Pick me up, take a mom and lumin's ass. Pick 'em up, pick 'em home, lumin's out. Love them death. Pick 'em up, pick a mom lumin's ass. Pick 'em up, pick a on lumin's i am going pick up, take a mom Love them death, up, pick a mom love up, go, up, pick a home, luminance. Pick 'em up, a them home, luminance. Namzat, take a mom, take love Take take love Take take love Take take a love Take a love Take a love love a take love a take love a take love going to now I'm a so I'ma have to go to the bench, to the brand new bread sign Glad I got that off my chest, he coming up a bucket and it one not digest I can't even remember the rest, but he got my breath pressed, like I'm stuck on no crest. But it's okay though, cause I'm about to make it up, fuck like I rubbed that dough Cause when you comes to the dough, he gonna have to get it till he ain't go on no more Now you wanna be 13, call him Mandingo. You can call it ice cream when I come on the cone. He just wanna fuck till it's gone. Cutting it in the nigga, he has a bath with a bone. Bone, 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 all night long. Really think that I'ma have to be in the zone. He yes, this is only his task. When we do a missionary, he be calling the blessed. Taught him a new chicken making good progress. Nice, setting in front, nigga, stop depressed. Touch the shooter box, the book on your back. I'ma have to get a better box, gonna kill me your back. <laughs>
2: Guys, we are back, and that's the end of the Let's Trade Show for Monday, April twentieth. Thanks so much for tuning in. A big shout out and thanks to all of my three guests. Very much to uh, Kim Cameron, to J Mac, and of course to Crystal Beverly. Guys, tomorrow's show we have two incredibly actors for you. Uh, we have actor and production guy Bruce Hart who has his own production company. He's been responsible for some great film, and entertainment out there. Bruce will be on tomorrow uh, first, followed by our good buddy, Jay Rodriguez. Of course, you know, from Rent and from the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and all of his amazing hosting duties and uh, with uh, FM radio. So we're going to have a great show for you tomorrow. Others coming since we are now going to five days a week while we're in pandemic stay at home mode. Uh, 2020 here. We're going to do five days a week, so I'm excited about this, and uh, we have lots of great guests coming for you, so be sure to tune in every day. We're going to be here at the same time, uh, 6 to 8 in Pacific time on the West Coast and 9 to 11 here on the East Coast. Uh, my buddy Pauly Richman's going to be on, an amazing artist, just commissioned a new album cover for Troy Sivan. We got our friends from Equality Ohio Law to talk about different lo- um, things that you need to keep in mind during COVID-19. We have Fred Carger, who ran for the President of the United States, is actually the first gay uh, candidate for President of the United States before Pete Buttigieg, and has been a great longtime activist coming on.
3: We have
2: uh, the Dapper Zookeeper himself, Mr. Carson Jones, who does amazing advocacy work, his Father Doug Jones is the first uh, Democratic senator for the state of Alabama in 25 years and doing great work there. Our good buddy film director and producer, Billy Cliff, will be on. Um, amazing activist and West Hollywood. Um, he, he's ran for West Hollywood Council, does so much great advocacy work for the community. Uh, Duke. Mason will be on, and, of course, he's the son of Belinda Carlisle from the Go-Go's. We have uh, Jake Dean Taylor coming on, and uh, it's going to be a great rest of the week, so thanks so much for being part of it. And uh, tell your friends, have them download And, um, and ooh, gosh, I can't talk tonight, guys. You can tell I haven't done this live in a while, right? Be sure to uh, download and subscribe on your favorite podcast distributors We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Bye-bye.